Hey podcast, you are currently tuning into episode 124 here on the Yours Truly podcast. If you are new around here, I am Claire Tuning. I am a non-diet registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, food pun and peanut butter and jelly enthusiast, lover of podcasting, TikToking, making cringe jokes, doing all the things. And I am so incredibly grateful that you are joining me for today's episode of the pod with a very special guest, Vanessa Gorelkin. I will be officially introducing her here in a couple of moments, and I have to let you know I am so proud of myself, <laughs> humble brag, for getting the pronunciation of her name correct, because it's a doozy. But before I dive into introducing Vanessa officially, I want to share a couple of things with you. So at the start of each and every episode here of our podcast, I love to do a thing called featuring a post from our Yours Truly Goal Slaying community. So if you are a returning listener of the show, you already know that this is a private free community for anyone who is interested in learning more about intuitive eating and gathering community support from others who are doing the very same thing. So the post that I want to share here on the pod today comes from a new member of our community. I'm going to read the post and instead of offering my own feedback and thoughts to this question, I'm actually going to read out the response of one of our community members who honestly phrased a response better than I ever could. I was blown away uh, away by her message and I want to share it with you. So the original poster writes, hi all, I am a brand new member and only a couple of weeks into my intuitive eating journey. I am absolutely loving it. There are obvious ups and downs in these first couple of weeks, but one thing that I'm really struggling with is noticing diet culture and negative self-talk in all the people who I love. How do you all approach this with loved ones? My instinct is to scoop people up, to tell them to start intuitive eating and tell them how wonderful and beautiful they all are. But I don't want to I don't want to approach it in the wrong way and come across as preachy. Any tips? So the other member of our community responds to this post and she writes Something I try to keep in mind is that if someone has spent years or, in a lot of case, decades steeped in the world of diet culture and weight stigma, they're not going to make the switch to intuitive eating in one single conversation. One of my favorite things to do is to be curious. If someone says that they feel guilty for having a second slice of cake or missing a workout or whatever, A gentle why can be a great way to help them start exploring their internalized feelings about food, weight, and if they seem receptive, it is a time where you can help them, again gently, start to unpack why they might feel that way. Leading by example is also tried and true. I think a lot of people don't actually know that not feeling like they have to diet or feel guilty about food is an option. And maybe seeing you practice intuitive eating can help them start to think that there's another possibility. If people do seem to be curious, I might give a social media or a book recommendation, but again, I think it's important to meet people where they are and as tempting as it is, I've been there, coming in too hot with intuitive eating can sometimes be a little off-putting. 
Take this all with a grain of salt, but this is what has seemed to have helped me when I want to scoop up my loved ones and save them from diet culture. So I want to give a, a really big shout out to both of these members of our community. The first member for asking this wonderful and honest question. I think it's a question that maybe you have as well, podcast listener. Like, how do you not only navigate intuitive eating in your own personal life, but share that with those around you in a way that feels appropriate and not to quote unquote preachy, as she said. So thank you to that member. And also a thank you to the member who took a, a lot of time in crafting this very thoughtful response from what she has learned in her own lived experience. So I hope you found this mini conversation at the start of our episode to be helpful with wherever you are in your process with intuitive eating. But if you think that maybe hearing more conversations along these lines and having people to interact with in a virtual setting on the topic of intuitive eating could be beneficial for you in your journey, then I would love to invite you to come and join us here in our virtual community if you're not already hanging out with us. So you can do that by visiting clairetuning.com slash community. That is clairetuning.com slash community. There on my website, you will find a simple application that I will request that you please fill out so that my team and I can get to know a little bit about you. You can in turn learn a little bit about our community guidelines, and then we will gladly accept you into our group from there. So fingers crossed that I will see you soon. But without further ado, I am so excited to introduce today's guest here at the top of our episode. Like I mentioned earlier, her name is Vanessa Gorelkin, and she is an East Coast transplant to Arizona, along with her husband and 16-year-old son. Vanessa graduated with a BA from Brandles University and earned her master's degree in occupational therapy from New York University. As an experienced holistic provider, Vanessa's priority is helping people to live fulfilling, peaceful lives by assisting them to manage struggles with mental health, chronic pain or illness, or disordered eating and body image. During the pandemic, Vanessa has been working with patients in her private telehealth practice. She's found secured video visits to be highly effective. Vanessa is an advocate for all things body positive, intuitive eating, and health at every size. A caring practitioner, Vanessa wants to share some time management and adaptive strategies for getting through the pandemic during today's podcast. So there in the last couple of lines, you kind of got a, a gist or a basic outline for the topic of our podcast today. But when Vanessa came to me a couple of months ago with this idea to collaborate on the podcast, she brought a couple of different suggestions. And to be honest, I had a hard time 
picking the topic from all of the ones that she offered up to me because I really felt that they all could be really beneficial to what we talk about here on the Yours Truly podcast. So we're going to start with today's topic and you may very well hear Vanessa as another guest back on the pod in the future. It's always fun connecting to dietitians, but I have to tell you, as I told Vanessa when we were recording, it is super fun as well for me to be able to connect with people outside of just the nutrition realm and branch into occupational therapy, as we'll talk a little bit about here. But the topic that we landed on for today's recording is something that Vanessa titled Pandemic 911, looking at our daily habits and adapting our approach so that we are living aligned with our values and our needs. I think we can all agree that now a year into this pandemic, at least here on U.S. soil, that it has impacted us all in different ways to varying extents, but I couldn't be more pleased with the advice that Vanessa has to offer today on how we can continue navigating our way through what is hopefully the end of this pandemic, crossing my fingers soon, that we see the light at the end of the tunnel, but she offers us tips for navigating what we hope will be our final few months here and really auditing how we are using our time in a gentle and in a non-judgmental way, but also in a way that can hopefully help us to align what we are currently doing with what we value and what we want to be doing either more or less of. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Vanessa, and I hope you enjoy. Hey, Vanessa, welcome to the Yours Truly podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me today. Of course. Well, before we dive into our conversation, I know you know that we play a little <laughs> game here at the top of our episode called This or That. So my first question, this is a bread-related question because I was eating bread earlier today when I was planning for the episode, so it popped into my mind. So I have to know, do you prefer rye or sourdough? Oh, I love sourdough bread. That is such an easy one. I've been wondering, you know, because I listened to your podcast and I've been wondering <laughs> if it was going to be a hard one and it was, but sourdough for sure. And then pumpernickel rye is like down the list only for certain sandwiches. Okay. So I'm, I'm a sourdough girl. Yeah. I love sourdough. <laughs> I love sourdough myself, but I agree. Rye really works on certain sandwiches, but it really depends on the context. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Second question. We kind of talked about this a little bit before we hit record and I put this in here because I knew a little bit about your background, but do you prefer the East Coast or the West Coast? Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is, oh no. Okay. That's, that's the question I wasn't expecting. Um, you know what I would say now, um, because I'm uh, older, I turned 50 this year, um, living in, uh, you know, towards the West or in the Southwest, um, is better for me now, but I was all about living in New York city when I was in my twenties and it was a great and really fun, interesting place to live. So I, I can't give you a this or that for that one. <laughs> I like both. I like both. Um, yeah. But I guess, I guess if I had to, because I grew up there, the East Coast. 
I was going to say, it sounds like your answer is both, but if you had to pick one, your heart right. lies with where you grew up in the East Coast. Probably. Uh, next one, I'm guessing your answer to this might be a little bit influenced by the time that we're all living in now, but do you prefer wearing comfy clothes or fancy clothes? No, oh, comfy is all the way. <laughs> In fact, I mean, I am wondering what's going to happen when I begin, you know, leaving the house without my comfy clothes. I'm, I'm going to cross that bridge when I come to it, but I, I do love it. It's like a, a special kind of privilege during this pandemic, I think, to be able to wear comfortable clothes. And I have bought more like sweatpants and, yeah. you know, kind of jersey shirts and stuff. Uh, it's It's really, really nice to be able to kind of uh, relax in in my clothes. And especially if like I'm going out for a walk or something like that, I want to be comfortable because, you know, I'm wearing that mask because of the pandemic when I'm out walking about. And so I want to make myself as comfortable as possible. And sometimes the mask feels like a little something uncomfortable. So I want to be feeling good. So that's one way that I take good care of myself. Yeah. And I have to say, if there's any point in time where we need all of the comfort we can get, it's now. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you on the comfy clothes train. And to be honest, I know you're in Arizona and your, your weather probably is a lot more mild than ours here in the Washington DC area. But I have to say, wearing a mask when I'm taking a walk outside is actually welcomed, at least in my book at this <laughs> point in the year, not only to help protect other people and those around me, but also to keep my face warm. I find it helpful for that purpose, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Final two. Do you prefer breakfast for dinner or dinner for breakfast? Yeah, oh, think about that one interesting. for a second. Mm. <laughs> I think I go with breakfast for dinner because my family and I love eggs and we love to put boursin cheese in eggs. Oh. And so we, yeah. And speaking of sourdough, what we do is we toast up some sourdough bread. We cook up eggs. We put some nice tomatoes um, and then any nice like salad that goes along with that just to kind of really uh, round out the meal. Uh, I think dinner, you know, breakfast is really nice for dinner sometimes. Yeah. What you just said sounds so incredible. You're making me hungry. I need to go get a loaf of sourdough bread and some of that cheese. Um, okay, final one for us here. Do you prefer reading a physical book or listening to an audiobook? Oh, easy. I love listening to audiobooks. As much as I have really transitioned to listening to podcasts, I just really enjoy it because then I've got my hands free and I can do all sorts of other things. So uh, audiobooks, 100%. I'm with you there. I uh, not too recently discovered Audible, but I, of course, have been a podcast fan for a long time, started my own podcast. I was like, okay, I love listening to things. Why don't I try this audiobook thing? And I am a total convert, not going back. I, yeah, like you said, I love being able to listen and absorb information, but like be able to busy my hands. <laughs> I feel like sometimes <laughs> sitting and reading, I just get bored. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe it's, it's a nice thing I'm reading. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I also just like that performance aspect as well. It's really nice to be able to hear the narrators. And that's like a dynamic that you don't get. Um, obviously, the author has a voice in your head, but right. to listen to some great narration is fun. That's true. I've never thought of it from that perspective, mm -hmm. but I like it.
Um, well, now that we've played a little bit of this or that, I would love for you to just take a moment and tell our listeners if they're not familiar with you yet, just a little bit about who you are and the work that you're passionate about. Okay, well, I would love to introduce myself to your listeners. Hello, audience. My name is Vanessa Goralkin, and I think the most difficult thing to approach about me is the pronunciation of my name, but there you have it. Uh, I am an occupational therapist, and some people are not familiar with that profession, but essentially uh, occupational therapists help people live their lives to the fullest, whether they're having physical disabilities or emotional disabilities or some combination of the two. And my passion is mental health. I, I think that uh, we really can't separate our minds and our bodies. And so uh, occupational therapists look at the whole person. And uh, I love to really focus in on mental health. And I think it's a huge deal uh, right now. So many people are struggling with their mental health uh, during the pandemic. So it's right in my wheelhouse here. Yeah. And I think too, the, the interesting thing about occupational therapists and registered dietitians in a lot of settings, they can work very closely together. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm in private practice and you are as well, but I know when I have been in more clinical settings sometimes, like occupational therapists were very much a part of the team who dietitians would communicate with. And I, I'm so grateful too that you brought up this idea of the whole person when we're talking about health, right? I feel like in the world that we live in, health, like I'm using air quotes here for everyone who can't see me, but we really tend to narrow in on the physical aspect, right? But we forget mm -hmm. that we have these things called heads and brains that are attached <laughs> to our body. So like you said, we can't really separate the two. So I guess that there actually kind of is a, a really good segue. Thank you for setting me up for that, by the way, but it's a great segue to what we are here to talk about today. So mm -hmm. we're going to be talking a little bit about a topic that you titled in some brainstorming with me. You called it Pandemic 911 because almost after a full year of this pandemic being here, at least in the, in the U.S., we are still living this reality. So before we dive in maybe to some tips on looking at our daily habits and adapting them to the current times that we're living in, I think we can both agree how important it is to first validate the variety of different experiences that people are trying to navigate right now. Um, what are your thoughts here just kind of on validating all that is going on before we dive into tips on how to navigate and manage? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, for your audience, there could be so many different uh, types of folks listening to your podcast. I mean, we could be addressing the essential worker on their way to work. We could be addressing the mom at home or the parent at home who is uh, suddenly become the teacher. Uh, we could be, uh, you know, addressing so many different aspects um, in uh, people's world experience 
experience right now. I can only speak to, you know, what I've read and my own experiences. And I, uh, I would definitely, I want to kind of disclaim, give a disclaimer and say, like, if I, if I leave anybody out at any time, my intention is not to do that in this discussion, but rather to bring people in uh, because I think that everyone's mental and physical health matters. And we are in a society where um, certain privileges bring us the ability to access uh, mental health and physical health care. And we've not, you know, we've never seen it as much in as sharp relief as we have during the pandemic. And so um, this is really for anyone who wants to feel more whole uh, during a time that has been so incredibly challenging uh, to everyone's lifestyle in their own way. Yeah. I love how you put that of, um, it's just for anyone who wants to feel more whole in a time that feels broken (laughs) in a lot Mm -hmm. of different ways. Mm -hmm. So with that, you have this idea that you introduced to me briefly via email. And right when I read this, I was so intrigued from the start. So I selfishly I'm very looking forward to learning from you and hearing what you have to say on this, but you have this idea of using what you call a simple 24-hour color-coded pie chart system to help us access you know, our daily activities and maybe distinguish those that are really helpful from those that are maybe not so helpful or are not adding as much value. So can you explain a little bit more about this tool and start to bring us through that a little bit? Yeah, uh, I would start by saying that when I heard you um, say back to me what I wrote, um, it sounds anything but simple. But I want (laughs) to tell everyone listening that we're really just talking about drawing a circle or if you're good in Excel or some other computer drawing, um, just drawing a circle cutting it up into 24 parts, like a pie with very small pieces, in my opinion, 24 pieces in a pie. Um, And then labeling it, uh, labeling that circle with each hour of the day, and then using some colors to represent various valued, needed, uh, wanted activities so that we can look at what our lives look like now um, in a very quick shot of, um, you know, like representing how much time we're spending watching TV or doing internet or what have you versus what we might like to do in the future. And I find it's been a good tool in my own private practice and my practice for years as an occupational therapist have to laugh a little bit when you made the joke about um, cutting that pie into pretty darn small pieces. <laughs> I have to say, if I went to anyone's house in non-pandemic times and they served me one twenty-fourth of a pie, I would be like, I'm going to need about three or four of these. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Actually, you know, I mean, there is so much in um, the uh, community of non-dieting and health at every size. And, uh, you know, especially the conversation around um, eating for comfort. And, and there's uh-huh. a lot of thoughts about that. I have to tell you that in my house, um, we have really been eating a lot of pandemic brownies and we are not guilty about it. You know, it's okay, you know, to nourish yourself in that way. Um, And I want to encourage your listening group, especially to take care of yourself right now. And if that includes, not if, 
when that includes the foods that have previously been off limits to you because you're trying out new things, go for it. Because now is really the time where you can maybe take care of yourself in a way that you haven't in a long time. And something that really stands out to me is you're using this verbiage of take care of yourself, take care of yourself in this mm. context. And I think coming back to your idea of this pie chart, maybe we'll uh, bring out a couple of examples, but you're mentioning taking care of yourself and you're also talking about food. So I'm wondering if you could maybe give us just some basic examples. I know these are going to vary a little bit depending on the individual and what he, she, or they value. Um, but could mm -hmm. you maybe give us some examples of what these different colors might be that people might be spending their time doing. I know my dietitian brain and going back to what you were saying a second ago, I'm thinking food needs to be one of those things, like making for myself. There's your fire. There's, There's the dog. dog. <laughs> Sorry. That's totally okay. I told you before we hit record that I've had many recordings where I get to meet a new four-legged friend. Um, but yeah, I'm guessing that eating and food has to be one of those colors because we all have to feed ourselves in some way, shape, or form. So maybe in addition to that, could you give us a couple of examples just to help people start the brainstorming process of other uh, ideas or other colors that might go into this pie chart? Absolutely. So let's begin with the one that I hope for everyone is taking up some of the time in the day, perhaps, you know, six to eight hours, and that's sleep. Uh, I tend to use black for sleep because it's like blackout time. Uh, I will say again um, that this is for everyone, including insomniacs. So if you feel like you're not sleeping some of your sleep time, you can, you know, gray in the sleep area, you know, or you can, or you can say, I slept for an hour, then I was up and, and then back and forth. So sleep goes, um, you know, it does take a significant portion of the pie typically, or at least what we think should be sleep. Um, uh, absolutely, 100% eating and food prep, I think, uh, really comes into play. I know for me, when I am not, you know, taking as good care of myself, the first thing that goes out the window for me is eating something in the morning. I will just have a cup of coffee and then I start going and then I forget to eat all day. And by evening, you know, I mean, I'm sure as a dietitian, you would say, oh no, you know, by the time, you know, my, I, I'm starving. And then what? I, and then I also, you know, because I'm just a human being, I feel guilty. I'm like, oh, I didn't take care of myself. Here we go. Care of myself. But I didn't, I, I didn't. So what, you know, eating and meal prep is very important because how you prep your meals and how long you take to prep your meals is, is pretty important. Are you a person who does packaged food or are you a person who loves to really chop and prep and, and cook a whole thing? So uh, eating uh, doctor's appointments, if you have them, they need to be in there. Uh, other important appointments, school or educational time um, is another section. I'm not telling you what color because at this point, this is really like what you want to do. Uh, you want to choose your own colors and make this your own. Uh, I would say leisure time would be a big one. Um, and you can break that down into different parts. You know, it could be uh, playing with my pets. It could be uh, watching TV or YouTube videos or listening to podcasts. Uh, what else would I put on there? Oh, exercise, uh, outdoor time, um, time for meditation and mindfulness, I would be a big proponent of. Uh, so there's, you know, a million categories, but what I would 
say to start with first would be the things that we pretty much do every day. Oh, I forgot, um, you know, basic hygiene, mm-hmm. washing, brushing our teeth, um, combing our hair, doing our hair if we do that, getting dressed in the morning. Um, I have worked with folks with disordered eating and eating disorders, and um, sometimes getting dressed is incredibly painful and difficult. Uh, And so that could take an hour, and that might be something to look at as one is working towards a recovery. Am I going, how am I going to get out of my closet without looking at the mirror 50 times and making sure I look so? Mm-hmm. this or that. So those are some of the categories. So that yeah. help a little? Totally. There's a lot of variety. And when you're kind of listing out these general categories, you have me thinking in my mind, like how many things we do on a daily basis as humans, just to like meet our basic needs, right? You mm-hmm. just listed off like, I don't know, seven, eight categories that to me just seem a part of everyday life. It's like, I sleep, I practice, you know, hygiene, we eat, we spend some leisure time. It's like, it really can be easy to forget how much we actually, you know, need to do every single day to take care of ourselves. But one thing that's coming to my mind, you know, as you're listing out some of these examples, I'm willing to bet that maybe someone who is listening to this is like, I love this idea. I love the visual component. Me, I'm a very visual person. So it's like, I'm Mm -hmm. guessing they're really liking that and liking the idea of breaking things down and kind of maybe organizing or loosely planning their day in this way. But maybe also at the same time, they're starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, Vanessa, when I start thinking about all of these things, that I want to be doing in a day that I feel like are important. Like what if I just don't know where to start and I'm super overwhelmed when I look at all of those different colors, what might you say or how would you reply to someone who feels a little bit like that? I love that you asked that question as an occupational therapist because in school, you know, which is a long time ago for me, uh, we learn about activity grading and grading, like, you know, the way you would grade a paper is making an activity that's overwhelming easier. So for the person who was overwhelmed by my kind of lengthy uh, grouping of things we might do in a day, I would just begin with make a list of what you do every day that you have to do, and then what you would like to do, and then maybe what would be aspirational for you to do in a day. And that may just be a great place to start. My pie chart is just one idea. You do not have to do a circle. You could do a square and (laughs) make it into, you know, it really doesn't matter what shape it is. What we're trying to look at is the quality of our life and how much time we're spending uh, doing things that are uh, valued to us versus how many things we're required to do versus how many things we must do. So let's just talk about drinking water must do it, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Valued would be uh, scrolling through uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, there's a big difference between those two, but sometimes they get upside down for us. Sometimes we forget to drink water and all we're doing is on our, <laughs> we're being on our phones. So if you look at yourself a little bit in whatever way works, you could even just write down, um, you know, a little diary for the day or in your phone. You could just write down what you did all day. 
and then you can look at, gee, did I spend all day doing all the house chores and not spend any time for myself? Or, you know, did it take me a really long time to get out of bed? And then I missed a lot of things I wanted to do. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like collecting information before you decide where to begin. I mean, yeah. I'm even thinking, I don't know if this is something that you would recommend, but I'm going to bounce off of your pie chart idea here for a second. Maybe it could be helpful for someone listening to like start by either thinking about or writing down like the current pie chart, kind of like what you were saying, like mm -hmm. this is how I'm currently spending my time. This is my reality that I'm living right now. And then mm -hmm. maybe there could be a, what I would like my pie chart to look like. And then maybe kind of picking out the differences. Like this is what I'm currently doing, but I want to be doing this over here. And I love how you brought up this idea. I think you called it grading. I would maybe call it like prioritization in a way, like what mm -hmm. is essential for me to be okay, like a human mm -hmm. being, what is something that um, I want to be doing or something that I value. And then something that feels like a little bit of a stretch. So maybe we could even combine those two ideas. Like, would you think it could be helpful to do the current pie chart as a way to begin constructing what that future one might look like? Absolutely. I would like to say to everybody listening that you are the expert in you in many ways. And so one of the ways of knowing that something's not right is if it doesn't feel right to you. Uh, and we can use our expertise in ourselves to have compassion for where we are now by looking at that. You can write it down, make the pie chart as a, you know, I hate that before and after idea, but like, you know, how I am today, what my current state is, let's say, and what I might envision my life might be. And uh, I, I would caution folks avoiding about avoiding feeling badly about balancing things. I mean, that's a big one we see all over in social media. Oh, the balance of life and wellness and healthy. Those things are good, but they can quickly turn into a nightmare uh, in the wrong hands and or in the wrong brain space. So you've got to be careful here. Yeah, I agree. It's a slippery slope, like <laughs> right? And I'm so happy that you brought up this idea of being mindful about not associating guilt or mm -hmm. shame with what either version of that pie chart looks like, right? You know, I'm even paralleling this a little bit to the work that I do specifically with clients around our relationship with food. It's like when we are doing something like just observing our self-talk around food, like some of the questions mm -hmm. that I'll ask a client early on is like, how do you talk to yourself about food? Like when you go to make a meal, what words are running through your head? And sometimes mm -hmm. I'll get the response of like, Oh, I think good food, bad food. I think mm -hmm. guilty. I think shame. And it's totally normal why our brains go to that space because that's how we're trained to think about food, mm -hmm. right? In that mm -hmm. uh, very moralizing frame. But what I try to encourage people to do is, you know, what might it feel like if we just tried to notice and not judge it? So it's like, okay, I labeled that food a bad food. I wonder why I did that. That's interesting, right? It's not mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm so bad. Oh, I'm never going to learn. Oh, I'm such a bad intuitive eater. It's not that because that's not helpful in the long run, right? But I think mm -hmm. if we can just notice and again, bring it back to the pie chart, okay, my pie chart now looks not necessarily in a way that 
I love or that I feel is in alignment with my values, but why might that be? Or um, how do I feel about this, right? Do you kind of agree that approaching it with that curious lens could be more of a productive and helpful use of energy than the guilting and shaming lens? Yes, I would say uh, guilting and shaming energy are, you know, is just always going to take us to a place that won't help us be as effective as we would like to be. Uh, we certainly wouldn't do it to our best friend or our child or someone that we care about. So I, uh, for pe- in my practice, I, I work with people a lot on self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And in, one of the ways you could look at um, looking at your right now is with something that from the ideas of mindfulness, which is called beginner's mind. So this could be your beginning first step of looking at your life and then planning where you'd like to head. You can't get started unless you put your foot on the ground and and take a step. So your first step is just to take a, a look and really with compassion, not looking to judge yourself because uh, that's a space I think we're in in our society in general. We always want to look for something to blame or find somebody wrong, especially ourselves. So instead of doing that, looking at it like, wow, I am doing good things for myself today by even looking at how I'm spending my time during this pandemic. Right. Starting with the awareness piece, right? And Mm -hmm. celebrating the fact that we're taking the time to ask those questions or start to figure this out or, you know, take that first step as you were saying. So my final question for you here before we wrap this up and plug where people can find you and all of that good stuff, uh, I'd like to leave our listeners with as many like practical takeaway tidbits as possible. Not to say that we haven't already done that. I think we have like times a thousand, but if you were to uh, give this tool to a listener and you could offer it or wrap it up with maybe one or two final tips or like closing statements, words of encouragement, what might you say there? I think I would say wherever you are, there you are. (laughs) And that is a great place to begin. The more compassion you apply to yourself, the more likely it is that you may be able to produce the things in your life that you want to see in your life. The other thing I would say is that kindness is really critical here uh, in terms of looking at things and ways that we have spent our time during the pandemic. I've seen a lot of unfortunate stuff on the internet all about, you know, how have you spent your time on the, during the pandemic? Did you, you know, get a PhD? Did you, um, you know, learn how to lift 250 pounds over your head? You know, it's, that's not what we're talking about. So the practical aspect of that is whatever way feels comfortable, if you'd like to look at how you're living your life during the pandemic, either make a circle or a square or something, or just write on a piece of paper, this is how I'm spending my day. And then leave it for a day or so. uh, And then you can come back to it and say, is that really congruent with what I want to be doing? And then if it's not having compassion and saying, well, what would I advise a friend to do about that? And trying to apply that kind of logic and, um, you know, change point of view uh, rather than criticizing yourself and saying you didn't do it right before and having regrets. Vanessa, I knew we were going to get along. 
I, <laughs> I knew. I it's love okay. how you used the word congruent a moment ago. So I'm going to use that <laughs> since it's top of mind for me. But I feel like your message and mine are very congruent. <laughs> in a yeah. Lot of ways. They, mine too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they run in parallel. And I, I couldn't be more appreciative that you really spoke about this topic uh, with a lot of compassion, a lot of grace, and you didn't bring that blaming and shaming narrative into that because we've had enough of that for a lifetime, I think. And if we can try our best not to bring that into 2021, I think that could be really helpful for all of us. So Mm -hmm. um, I would love for you to share a little bit about where our listeners can find you, learn more about you, potentially work with you, you know, whatever you have going on, feel free to plug it here. Okay. So, uh, I can be found on my website. That's Vanessa Gorelkin.com. It's V A N E S S A Gorelkin G O R E L K I N.com. I've also begun to work a little bit more on my Instagram, uh, stuff because I, I want to be able to share some of this mental health uh, content with people. And that's uh, Vanessa Goralkin OT is my handle there. And uh, I think those are the best ways to find me. I'm also listed on psychologytoday.com, which is a great place to find like a psychotherapist or a therapist. I'm kind of a unicorn there. I don't think there's a whole lot of OTs on there, but I, I think it's, you know, you can find me there as well with the spelling of my name. And, um, oh gosh, you, you said something and I wanted to, oh, oh, and I wanted to let everybody know I am licensed in Arizona. That is where I am a therapist. I would be glad to answer any questions, uh, with people, um, who are not from Arizona or interact with you in any way. Uh, but I can only see patients who are in Arizona because that's where I am licensed. Okay. So hopefully we have some Arizona listeners for you there in person, or at least there in your state, but mm-hmm. for everyone else who is not a resident of Arizona, you can connect with Vanessa online. And I know your last name is a bit of a doozy on pronunciation. I very much appreciated in the bio that you sent me, you had the phonetic <laughs> pronunciation, but I'll be sure for all of our listeners uh, to have the correct spelling of your name and your website in the show notes. So we don't get confused. Um, But Vanessa, it has been a pleasure connecting with you. I have really tried, you know, last year and, you know, coming into this year as well to branch out of just speaking to RDs here on the podcast. It's really awesome Mm -hmm. to have other healthcare professionals who have other areas of expertise. So I'm so grateful for all that you have shared. And I know our listeners will get a lot of value out of this as well. So we will go ahead and sign off for today's episode of the Yours Truly podcast by saying yours truly, Claire and And Vanessa. (laughs) 